passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof rack, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts that you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Southie, you're lucky that I play favorites around here because I would just be out. If you weren't yourself, I'd be taking the belt away from you because you didn't even... You didn't even pick up the belt today. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so slack. You can take it away. I understand. I, was, I wasn't I was thinking about it today. I came in just shot out. It was cold. I wasn't even thinking about the belt. Because I feel like the champ every day, even without it, Bubba. There you go, buddy. That's how you roll. There you go. We'll just keep it here. No sense of fingering it up now. Let's not. Yeah, I don't want to mess yeah. up this uh, whatever I'm wearing. This interview. This big-time Anthony Beck interview. Yeah, and I'm wearing this smock today. I don't want to get messed up with a belt. Your uh, I tape ankles for the lightning smock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I know this is like hey, uh, <laughs> ankle taping boy. I need a right a right ankle job here. Just imagine Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan brings his doctor bag, and I'm standing next to him at the mall. Like people think that we're some heavy-hitting doctors Dan, for sure. Have you ever had a tape ankles before, Dan? No. No, for real, like yeah, no, the answer's no. There, and there, there is, but there is it beneath you? But no, yeah. no. oh, I don't, I don't think completely. it's beneath you. I think I also think there's a only completely is his answer. Ankles are important. Yeah, ankles matter. I think Dan's being a dick because I think that there's probably an art to taping ankles. There is, and you don't know it. I do. Oh, you do. Yeah, I've taped a couple ankles, but not for the players. I've taped ankles before. I is there a way to uh, yep. for the like, you know, they do like a crisscross. It's a whole thing. Yeah, they there's, don't... There's, a, there's a whole, and most of the guys do it like, there's a standard way, and then there's everyone does, you know, a little bit of their own way. But Todd Torricelli was the trainer while I was at the Bucks, and he had tons, decades of experience. And I've watched him tape, you know, hundreds of ankles, so I could do it. I've done it before. Now, would Todd Torricelli tape like Anthony Beck different than he would Ty yep, J? Yep. Yep, everyone like their own little specific way. So, like, a, the guy would say, listen, man, I need some more lower support, right. and not upper support. Yeah, he would know. He knew every player intimately. Does a taped ankle uh, actually, does it do anything? I mean, yeah, does it help it you help, out? it helps it's prevent rolling support. it. Yeah. You know, I read a... Uh, do they have ankle braces? Yep, some guys wear that over the tape. Doesn't compression help with the inflammation or no? A little bit, yeah. But the other thing is, you know, I read an article years ago about a football coach, and he was getting frustrated because all the players kept twisting their ankles. And so he would make all of his players walk around the field before practice on the outsides of their feet and then on the insides of the feet as ankle injuries. This football coach, as a high school football coach, I read uh, oh, a story wow. right, about him. Right. And, and you'd have to ankle, walk on your outside. To strengthen your, them? Just to stretch them. And, and strengthen him. And so his ankle injuries went down to almost zero after he did that. Ooh, interesting. Because you would just you'd start off every practice walking up. Man, I... It looks stupid, my but My ankles it would snap immediately. But before I go for a run, I always do 10 steps on the outsides and 10 steps on the insides if just you, to stretch them out. If you were the team doctor for the Bucks right now and Tom Brady said, hey, Dr. Dan, will you tape me up real quick? What would you say? Yes, sir. If you said, uh, <laughs> if, if Tom Brady can I, said... Can I go the jacuzzi with Giselle? Tom, if Tom Brady said, uh, hey, uh... Doc, uh, my wife would like to see how good you are at Botox. Yep. Could I book appointment? Absolutely. 
you, and next thing you know, you're doing what's her name, Giselle? Giselle, Giselle. Bunchen. Isn't she like Brazilian? Like just the absolute, and like she's, she's richer the, than he is. She's the Tom yeah. Brady of models. Basically. She really is right now. I mean, no, she's I mean, up like there. she's like I mean, the greatest of all time. Is she's she not in the top five? She's a Hall of Famer, right? She's like one of the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. right? Like Cindy OG, Crawford. Um, I mean, you, Victoria's you put her, Secret, and she's made over a billion dollars in her career. Has That's she? a good. Yeah, I think I think a she, billion. Yeah, a like billion. Billion. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a billion. I look it up, but she's yeah, she is yeah yeah. It says that she's the world's first billionaire supermodel, and that was in two. 2012. Man, wow. isn't it amazing Jesus. how well read I am, bitches? Super. <laughs> Nobody well knew that, now did they? Yeah, she is the Tom Brady of models. She is. And, and meanwhile, her kids Tom, are good looking too. Tom Brady can't stand her. That's why he's trying to play football until he's 92. He's trying to get out of the house. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine you have the richest supermodel in history at home and you're like, oh, I got to go hang out with these dudes yeah. every single day? Exactly. I got to get take showers with these dudes every day. Well, you know, that's one thing that the players, I'm going to call Anthony here in a minute. That's one thing that the players say they miss the most is the camaraderie. Yeah. Is, is yeah. the actual. Locker room, you know, b- the boys, the camaraderie of of, of hanging out. You know, when mostly. we used to, when, when we used to do the training camps in Orlando, I'd spend a week or so every summer there with them, and it was so much fun after hours because you play dominoes, you laugh, you play poker. Ooh, it was fun. You mean the boys? Yeah, with the players. Anna, you said, "Ooh, dominoes." Is that is that uh, is that something we didn't know about you? No, are... I, I don't like dominoes. What do you? Is like? it too edgy for <laughs> you? <laughs> I like playing Monopoly with murders. <laughs> That's more my style. Murder Monopoly. Like if you were to, if you were to like, you think what anybody that played dominoes is a murderer? No, 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 I don't do that. <laughs> I'll never play Monopoly again. I'll tell you that much, though. Let me, let Too me, many memories. Let me let me call up Anthony. Now, he used to live in Tampa. He still has a house in Tampa. I think his kid goes to, goes to Wirecraft. Wiregrass, yeah. He's, he's a quarterback. Rocco. Yeah, and I think Rockies. that he's like highly recruited or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he got a, he got an offer from Iowa State. Anthony's so Italian, he makes me look Irish. Hello, what's up, Anthony? Back, it's Bubba. Hey, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Like working on one of your 14 podcasts right now? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm trying to be like you. You know, I'm trying to get one going if I can. But yeah, I, you know, I'm not. It's freaking snowing. It's crazy. Where man. where I, are I you? Get home. Where are you? I'm at the Hyatt uh, off the airport. Like, I'm calling the, the Steelers-Ravens game on Westwood One National Radio, and uh, it's snowing. They moved the game uh, to Wednesday instead of today, so I'm here for an extra day. Lucky you. Anthony backed on the phone. He's an 11-year former tight end for all kinds of different teams. Started with the Jets, ended with the Chiefs, and he's one of the guys that went on, and he's been brilliant in broadcasting TV. He does Westwood one. Anthony, how hard? I mean, not. I'm. I'm sure you don't have the same accommodations as Troy Aikman and 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 Romo. But how is it? Is it how tough is it to be on the road to call games like you do? Is it tough? Well, you know, I I was doing college football for ESPN for the last seven years, and I love it. You know, it's it's been great. Uh, you know, it's been good because I get a good mix of both sides. I do the NFL. You know, I covered the Buccaneers pre and post game for probably six seasons, and then uh, went back to the New York Jets, where I started my career for my first five seasons. They drafted me, and I do their uh, you know their pre and post game. Now, are you uh, doing co- are you doing college are you doing college football now still? Well, you know, I, uh, because of the pandemic this past season and my contract was up, they didn't have enough packages to go around. So I actually got pushed away. So I, I you know, I basically just did the Jets uh, this year and then 
Uh, I know we'll get into this later, but I, I did a radio, uh, national radio Monday night uh, with the Bucks, and, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I've been able to get a couple more NFL games, which has been great. So it's been a good mix of both sides. Now, the games that we're watching on TV, whether it be college or pro, are they all doing, are they all being done virtually now? Or are the guys actually there? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So, like, Herbie and Blackledge and, like, uh, Greg McElroy, those guys are on location. So, they're, the three top games will be on location. And then you have some games that are being called out of Bristol. So, the announcers will be watching it on the, the monitors, and they'll call it from the monitors, which is which is interesting. But the, actually, the last option, like you talked about, is, you know, the, they're, at, they're at home. So, they're synced up. Uh, play-by-play color synced up on their own monitors or within their own home calling the game so it's been a it's been a crazy year man just you know obviously with the travel and everything so it's it's it's, that's that's kind of the three levels right now that they're doing games anthony uh back on the phone Uh, anthony you think that's a slip maybe that's a slippery slope maybe uh uh, somewhat of a precedent that they may have set to say hey listen we can do it virtually we've proven that we had to do it under emergency circumstances but the amount of money we can save, travel, food, all that, and we might as well just call the lower team, the lower tier games virtually. Do you think that they could, that could maybe set a precedent moving, you know, moving forward? You know, they they were doing, uh, they call it Remy games, so they were calling from the studio. I don't know if calling from home is going to be the way. I I think getting to a studio, you know, ESPN or wherever, uh, you know, Fox, they got their studios throughout the country. I think that's probably the way I would do it. For me personally, Bubba, I, I want to be at the game. You know, there's something about football, calling the game in live action. Of course, there's no fans this year, but, you know, moving forward, you know, the getting into it and kind of the, the whole uh, the scene set, uh, you know, it's a little different with basketball. You know, five guys, you can call something on the court. You know, nobody would really know the difference. Baseball, you know, I would assume. But football, you got replays, and you want to see things happen live. For me, that that's a big deal for an announcer, but, that that you look, the money's probably going to be the precedent now with a lot of these uh, with these big networks, uh, even the biggest networks at ESPN. So you might see a little more of this moving forward in the future. Man, how about the money that Romo got? How about that, huh? I mean, does she... that make any sense, though? <laughs> I mean, I, don't, no. I I almost feel like sometimes. Listen, I, look, Tony. Tony was a great player. You know, Dallas Cowboys. I get all that stuff, but but man, it's like you know, I, you know, I'm the, you know, how do you? Sometimes I feel like he doesn't even prep for a game. Like he just rolls in there. He sounds like a fan sometimes. I, it looks like fans like that. I for some reason you know, they and, like that. And Anthony, I can't. In the I, hand. I can't understand it because I've heard a lot of your games, and I've heard a lot of other guys. I think Tiki. I, I think Rondé is good. Um, I've I've heard a lot of former former players, and he by the knowledge of the game and how he's able to communicate is not that much better than. You know, I think you're as good as he, if not better in a lot of instances. But Anthony Beck isn't going to be getting $20 million a year. I promise. Well, Romo's been stealing. I mean, you need years. to be my agent. That, that's that's <laughs> the way we need to do it. I just don't get it. I, but I, like, I tend to like Aikman better than Romo as far as doing the games. Yeah, you know, he, I, me too. I'm a, I, I kind of like the way Aikman does it because, look, I, I want a little bit of football. I, I love the casual, but the ooh, ah, ee, ah, those little things like that, I don't know. But, you know, a lot of the fans – that's who they are now, I guess. I mean, they're just kind of, you know, the, the fantasy fans, all these fans, the younger generation. You know, they know Romo. You know, some of these other guys are getting a little older. So, you know, I mean, the one guy, I mean, if you're Jim Nance, what's he making, like five? He's got to be pissed off. I heard he's trying to get some money, too, like, you know, trying to get some of that eight figures. But that, that's just ludicrous. And how about Romo, the luck, right, the horseshoe? 
He signed that deal literally like um, two weeks before the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably so, lucky. <laughs> now, so, so Anthony, by Romo or or Aikman or you know Buck, uh, the big boys by those standards, like how what's an average week? Like let's say they're doing a Sunday game, game of the week. They fly in like on what Thursday, Friday. Like what's a week entail for those guys? Yeah, normally they want to try to get to a practice. You know, most of them will come in for a, a Friday practice. They'll stand on the sidelines. They'll do their deal. But, no, things have changed this year. So, a lot of guys are flying in, you know, the night before the game because you do everything virtually. You don't talk to the coaches or players in person. Uh, you know, those things are tough because, you know, for me as a, as, a, as a commentator, when you're talking to coaches with producers, directors, and all these people on phone calls or Zoom, you don't get the real story. You know, my connections with a lot of, for instance, the coaches in college in the NFL, I go down to the field early. I get the one-on-one talk. I get a little bit of the, you know, maybe some of the trick plays, you know, some, some of the real information. And then when I go in the booth, I'm, I'm not going to go out there and just blabber, but you work around it. You, you find ways to say it so that you give interesting background things to the fans, but you're not giving away, like, you know, the, the private information. So those are the things that I think are important that are different now in the pandemic. And do players then, like, when you do have that one-on-one and if you established a relationship if outside of the pandemic under normal broadcast circumstances, then do you be, do you develop relationships with guys where he might tell you a little bit more because he, you and him jive pretty good or he doesn't like you because you might have said something about him? Like, does that stuff ever happen? No, no doubt. Like, you know, perfect example, I, I don't know if you've been following some of the things, but the Giants, their offensive line coach, the head coach, just supposedly got in a fight and the guy got fired and no one really knows the story. Well, you know, I know a couple of coaches on the on the Giants staff. I mean, if I was calling the Giants game, I'd be on the field, like, hey, you know, what happened? You know, did you throw a left hook? You know, I get the real story. And then, you know, you, you kind of can portray it the way you want, you know, without calling guys out. But absolutely, I get all kinds of information uh, the best is obviously like, you know, hey, uh, you know, when we get past the 50 in the second quarter, uh, we're going to try to run the double reverse. Pass. And then, you know, then you start sounding like everybody was kind of, you know, hugging Romo because he was predicting plays and all this stuff. Well, you know, most of the time, number one, he's wrong. He, you know, he probably got like six or seven right in his career. Everybody remembers that. that everybody remembers. And I'm not here to dog Romo. I, I think he's great. I mean, look, uh, you can't hate the guy for, for what he's doing, but, but it's not, you don't predict plays. But if you go to practice, right, in, in like Thursday or Friday's practice, and they have like a third down and red zone day, you watch things. I start jotting down plays, formations, so that if it comes up, I can maybe predict and say, oh, that was the formation in practice. It may go to number 10 here. And then I can say it. And if I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, nobody really cares. Nobody says anything. Yeah, nobody. If but if, right, if, now, if you're right, they blow your spot up. But if you're wrong, the headlines. but if you're wrong, they're like, okay, he's wrong, whatever. I mean, not, you're not going to get it right every nobody, time. Yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> 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 Anthony, how, how could you, in today's world, could you – I see Gonzalez on the Fox pregame, and it looks like he could still play. Howie, I don't know if Howie could still play or not. But, I mean, could, could, you, could you strap – could you strap – Strap on some shoulder pads, or would you just get killed out there? No, well, yeah, I, I could block and, and do some of those things up front. I mean, I still have a little bit of weight to me, and, you know, I got, I got a series. After that, I can't run. If I have to run routes or any of that stuff, I'll die. Like, what, if Khalil, what, if Khalil, what if Khalil Mack smashed you? <laughs> I, I could block Khalil Mack. See, this is the, 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 the thing everybody sees. You know, the, the game has changed, man. The, the generation of players now – Almost I feel like they don't care as much. They do. They work hard, but the money and everything involved. When I was playing, and it wasn't too long ago, guys. We're talking like eight, nine years ago, and I saw the evolution of the NFL. 
it's just a younger league. It's, you know, you didn't have the, you know, when I walked into Jets locker room, I had Wayne Grabeff, Vinny Testaverde, you know, and then I came to the, to, to the Buccaneers. I had all these, you know, older players, uh, you know, uh, greasy. and But they, you don't have that anymore, man. It's just a younger league. They save their money. They, they extend their rosters. And, and really, you see, when you watch uh, the games, you see more mistakes. You see penalties. You see, uh, you know, just, you know, sloppy play. Well, they don't practice. And honestly, I, I think I, they don't I, practice. I don't think that coaches can even really get on guys' asses anymore. Can they, Anthony? Uh, you know, that, that's one of the biggest things. When I, when I was drafted to the Jets, Bill Parcells was the GM. And listen, there are no more Bill Parcells. Bill Belichick's the only guy that has that similar. Now it's, you know, the, the last couple of years, and of course, now you got to coddle and hug these first-rounders. You don't want to upset them because they're so mentally fragile. And if they mess up and they'll want to get a trade and they'll start going on Twitter. I, I mean, it's just, it's obscene. But a f- real quick, funny story. When I was my rookie year, my first game, I got drafted in the first round with the Jets. There were four of us in the first round, first time in the history of the NFL. Uh, our first preseason game was against the New Orleans Saints at home. I had like four catches, a touchdown, and literally, you know, I thought I was big, you know, I don't, you can't curse on it, but I, I thought I was big crap when I was, when I came off the field. The next day, now this would never happen in the NFL, we were full pads the next day in, in training camp. You would never do that now in the NFL. You, you'd be out in shorts and a t-shirt. Bill Parcells is at the end of the field. I'm stretching out. He's like, hey, Beck, come here. You know, so I'm jogging over with my chest pumped out, thinking like, you know, this guy's going to hug me. And this isn't I the coach. This, this, is the, this is the GM. This is the GM. He's the GM. Yeah, he's the GM. He was a coach the year before, and then he t- transferred the GM. Yeah. I'm thinking he's going to give me a big bear hug. He's like, hey, Beck, he's like, let me tell you something. He's like, if you ever, with some explosive, ever go out there and block like that again, I'll send your ass so fast back to West Virginia. You'll never know. <laughs> and it's kind of like I opened my eyes. It was the most humbling experience, and honestly, that was the that was the day that it got me twelve years, eleven, twelve years in the NFL because he, he took the diva out of me, first rounder, and I became a you know lunch pail blue collar guy, and it, and it, it changed me that day. But you don't get that now. If you did that now, you have a guy he he would drop six balls, you know, he'd be calling his agent, you know, he's he's all upset. The coach yelled at me. It's just a, it's crazy, man. Snowflakes. And you were a first rounder, were you not? Yeah, I was the 27th pick of the 2000 draft. Uh, the Jets had four first-round picks that year. Myself, John Abraham, one of the best pass rushers in, in NFL history, Sean Ellis, a very good defensive end, and then Chad Pennington came out of that draft. It was funny because Chad Pennington was supposed to go to the 49ers or the, or the Steelers that year. He ends up dropping at the 17th pick. And I was supposed to go 17, so I dropped down to the 27th pick, which is still great. But I always tell Chad, how much that? How much that? Yeah, how much that cost you? It cost me about 10 million dollars. So I tell me he owes me some of that money, you know, over the years <laughs> every time I see him, especially when, around Christmas time. When you walked into the Jets as a rookie, first rounder, who was there? Was there a was there a veteran that took you under his you know his wing, proverbial wing, and said, <laughs> "Hey, kid, this is how it, you may have been slick, daddy, over here, but this is how it works." Well, I'll tell you, you know, the locker rooms back in the day there were a little different. And, and you know, you, you, you didn't, you know, you weren't hazed, but, you know, you had some rookie initiations. You had to do some things you picked on. You know, I was in kind of wedged in be, in between uh, uh, Wayne Corbett and, and Vinny Testaverde. Obviously, I got to play early, so I got to build a relationship. I'll tell you, though, the one guy that I'm glad that I was tight with because we had the same agent, it just was crazy, it worked out, but you definitely want to be on his side. We had Brian Cox was a, one of our linebackers. Oh, he was a monster. <laughs> you you wanted to be one. Of, if you weren't on his side, then, then you were going to be singing. You are going to be doing crazy crap on the stage and before practices and all that stuff. 
we had the same age, and he gave me some advice. He's like, listen, man, be the first one to sing. You'll be over with it. And I got out, so he, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit. But if you weren't under his wing, man, he, he would get you pretty much on a daily basis. Anthony Beck on the phone. Uh, he has all kinds of podcasts. He uh, does uh, does all kinds of announcing on the pro and on the yeah. collegiate level. Go ahead, I Seth. Actually, I actually had a question because he's calling the game the uh, Steelers-Ravens game. Yeah, whatever. Uh, when's, it, it, when's it scheduled for it, now? It's a, it's like 3.40 tomorrow. Anthony, are you okay with the afternoon start time? I know everybody's complaining because of the tree lighting that's making it an afternoon game. Yeah. But I'm sure you're ready to get home, so that works for you, right? Yeah, I literally, guys, it's it's snowing. Like, every car in the parking lot's covered, the entire airport, the runway, everything is snowing here. Uh, yeah, I want to, you know, look, I, I don't care when it's at it. You know, play, calling games is great for me. I love it. it you know, it's a great experience. Like I said, I got to do the Monday night football game uh, with the Buccaneers and the Rams last week on a, on a kind of a funny story there on, a, on two hours' notice because of someone backed out. Jeez. And it actually, you know, I, I got uh, some rave reviews and then New York Post, and all of a sudden now, you know, next week I got another game. So, hey, listen, it, it's great to be out here. And uh, you were you were running you were running route you were running routes for your kid, and all of a sudden you get, a, get your wife says, "Honey, they want you to go do play by play at Ray J. Hurry, but get get your get your mind get your suit." Yeah, yeah, I was I no suit. I they they just basically called me and said, hey, "Don't get dressed. Whatever you're wearing." Just come on over, and I did, and I rolled in there at like seven forty-five. The game was at eight, I believe, eight fifteen, eight twenty, and I, you know, as soon as I walked in, hey, three minutes to to the pregame uh, play, you know, what the what the breakdown for the game is. I'm like, all right, jumped in. Kevin Harlan, who's a pro, he's one of the best in the business. Yeah. Got to work with him, and uh, it, it was a good deal. How good's how good's your son Rocco? Does he got a cannon on him? <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's a good player. I tell you, he, he's got. He's got the intangibles that a lot of this generation don't have because I won't allow that to, to creep in. It may happen when he goes to college, but for now, he's got great work ethic. And uh, how big you know, is he? How, how big? How big is he? he he's six one, one eighty five. Uh, you know, he can spin it. He's still growing. Uh, loves the weight room. Loves the train. And uh, you know, he he can spin it. Bob, I'll tell you, he's you know, I mean, listen, he's he's got a shot to be good. He's he's way way past me when I was coming out of high school in the same. He's a, he'll be a senior. He's a junior now. Oh. But, you know, he's got offers. I had no offers. I had one offer, like, literally a month before signing after my senior year. You know, he's got about seven offers. He's got 25 schools looking at him. And it's been fun, man. You know, he's he's a great kid, too. He takes after his mother, not, not his dad, but. He's a great kid, and uh, you know he does a, he does a great job. Man, I'm proud of him. Will you have Will you have a say so on where he goes? I mean, is is you know I mean is there Florida? Is it you know? <laughs> well, a lot of people ask me, is he going to go to West Virginia? Because that's you know I'm from there. And, I wouldn't send uh, I wouldn't you know, send him there. <laughs> well, I'm like two hours away from it, and it's snowing now. So I don't know. You know, you got to throw balls in the snow. Be tough, but you know, you look. Iowa State is a really good school that that they've offered him Wake Forest educational ACC. They've been productive. You know, there's uh, you know, a couple Florida states looking at them. Uh, they have not offered Cincinnati. They're one of the better uh, schools in the country. So, you know, yeah, how about, how about Cincinnati coming out of nowhere? Where's that? Where the hell did that come from? Is it the coach? Yeah, Fickle's great, man. You know, he's played at Ohio State, from Ohio State, now, you know, from Ohio. He's, you know, recruited well. And they got some athletes now. I don't know if they're going to get enough love, them or BYU, the smaller schools, yeah. to get in there. But, I'll tell you, it's been a great year, man. He's I'll, done it. I think he had three straight 10-win ten seasons. I'll tell you the program, buddy, and it's from the kid uh, that's from down here, the kid from – I think he was from Pasco High and then went to Tampa Tech, uh, IU. Penix. Mike, yeah. yeah. That, kid's well, you know, a, I, that kid's a stud, too, isn't he? He is. You know, the funny thing, him and my son worked out. They 
the same uh, quarterback trainer down in the Tampa Bay area. They got to train a little bit uh, before the season started. You know what happened, though? Uh, Penix, after this past game, it just got announced yesterday, he tore his ACL again. Oh, so he's man. out for the season. Ugh. I know, it's brutal. Oh, great kid, man. though. I'll tell you, great kid. Hey, is, Har- is Harbaugh in trouble at Michigan? He's got to be, Anthony. I mean, I mean, your royalty can only take you so long. I mean, he's got to be in trouble. I don't get it. You know, I don't know how he's not winning games there. I mean, you know, he's still got a ton of recruits. Now, he lost a ton of guys, especially in the defense to the NFL this past season. But you would think you'd be able to manufacture, even LSU. I mean, how are they have a losing, I think they have a 500 record. How do you not have guys getting cranked out, have a quarterback at least? I mean, after you have Joe Barrow, how do you not have a quarterback getting ready to play? But I don't know. Everybody keeps talking about Harbaugh going back to the NFL. I just don't see his personality. Like I, I don't, don't think, think the NFL, I, I don't think like, he works in the NFL. Room nope. and talk to your kid. Would you be excited to go to wherever he's coaching? He's just I'm, not like a robber. I don't know. He's just a weird dude. I mean, after after Andy Reid, after uh, Bruce Arians, there's not too many old school guys left. It's this new wave. You know, Matt Lafleur. It's that's that's yep. the, that's the new NFL coach. I think Kingsbury. You know, after I, I think Sean Payton would be an old school guy, but barely. He's kind of right there on the cusp, right? Yeah, I mean, the old school guys that are around, you know, are Tomlin. They're still, they're still cranking out wins now, you know. Uh, but, yeah, there's just a younger push, you know. And I think it's because of these quarterbacks now, the younger quarterbacks playing in these offenses. You see, you know, you, you get Kingsbury, who couldn't be more, better than 500 at Texas Tech, but he's got the, the offense that works with Kyler Murray, and it makes sense, right? So, uh, you know, you've got to fit the scheme of the quarterbacks you draft because if not, uh, you know, you got issues. I mean, look, I mean, in talking about fitness schemes, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, I mean, everybody's talking about how that scheme doesn't fit. And, you know, they've had their issues throughout the season. It's been up and down. But I mean, don't you, know, you think, Anthony, that favorites. don't you think that they're that the Arians needs to have Brady and more of it? Like if you watch Mahomes, you know, a few day, a few nights ago, he doesn't I mean, it's it's quick. It's it's boom, boom, boom. To me, it was like we're we're we're, not, we're going to going for the long ball too much. And I think I think Tom Brady can dink and dunk you seven and nine and ten yards like the old Joe Montana all day. But you know he's not a, a Mahomes type passer, and I think that they have not built the offense. I don't think they've done the, the offense around Brady right, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I thought that when they came together, that they would kind of mutually blend in. I mean, listen, if I'm a coordinator, I'm sitting down and say, okay, this is kind of how we do it. I, tell me, Tom, what do you, what do you, what's good? What, what what's important to you so we can blend it in? I don't see that. And you're right. The vertical passing game, that's, that's the offense that Arian has. I think it's a little archaic. If I you do, too. Me. I, mean, I, think it's, I, think it's Mike, I think it's Mike McCarthy, you know, uh, archaic. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, it's just, you know, look, it's high impact. I mean, you're going to get some big plays. I mean, look, Tom Brady can still throw the deep ball. But, like, you know, for instance, in the game, they, they was third and 13 in the second half. They throw this bomb down the middle to Chris Godwin. They get themselves in great field position. It's 20 to 7. And then the next play, they throw up a go route to Scotty Miller. Like, why? Run the ball. Do screen passes. You know, everybody talks about they don't motion, which I don't think is a big deal. But, man, if I'm on defense and I, nobody moves, how easy is that? I mean, and the all, the, and all the new offenses has – I mean, all, it's built on motion, isn't it? Bubba, they got, they got two Pro Bowl receivers in Evans and Godwin. They got the greatest tight end to ever play the game. They got, you know, three backs who, look, I'm not a big Legar, excuse me, a, a Fournette guy. I love Rojo. I think he needs to get more handoffs. But they got LaShawn McCoy. People don't understand this. LaShawn McCoy is one of the top ten running backs in receptions 
in the league history. He doesn't even touch the field. Like that's one of the be- big biggest weapons for Brady you can have. Why doesn't he play? Right. I don't. I don't understand. You got and then you throw Antonio Brown, who I'm not a big fan of. But man, it's like, how do you stop this offense? But yet they find ways to stick their foot in their butt. Yeah, how do you stop it? But they. I, I, how do you stop it? But I think the first four possessions last game was three and outs, and I could you could see Brady coming off the field just mad as hell. Well, the re- just so you know, Bubba, the report last night was Bruce Arian said that Tom Brady picks all the plays. We call what he picks. We just have to get better. And they said he's getting more comfortable each week. So apparently, Tom Brady picks all the plays. And then they're the ones that call them. So wow, yeah. I mean, uh, Anthony, is that how it works? Right. Maybe they're just showing him a bunch of plays that he doesn't like, but he's got to pick ten or something. I don't know. You know, it's just to me, the, the plays that work are play actions, the Gronk throws, you know, the crossing routes, you know, anything that that you know when you have a little running game built around it, you know. But some of these things look forced to me, and it just doesn't. You know, when you see Tom patting the ball a couple times, it's like, you know, who's how are they not open? Like, what are they running? And then you look at the film, and it's like, you know, three go routes. And, you know, it's like, how do you – your teams are just sitting there waiting Well, I mean, for and, them, ar- and arguably there's not even a close second in receiving a, a core, is there? I mean, if you look at all in, you, you look at your – Well, the Chiefs, yeah, outside of the Chiefs and the Bucks, who's better? I don't even know the Chiefs are better. I mean, they may get the ball a little bit better, but I don't think talent-wise, wide receiver, tight end, uh, slot, I don't think they're better than the Bucks. The Bucks are, I mean, I mean, look, <laughs> they might have too much talent. Yeah, you know, well, it's, it's interesting because as a play caller, the good play callers can manufacture plays with all those kind of guys. Byron Leftwich to me, and I know Byron, we played together. He's a little younger than I am. But I just don't quite know if, you know, sometimes it won't work when, when he's calling plays. I'm not just – it's just kind of like you're just plucking it out and calling. Like when you watch the Rams, right, the Rams attacked what the Buccaneers' defense was doing. When you watch the Saints play the Bucks, they attacked what the defense – they had a plan. I mean, they, things were different. You, you scheme differently. You add new things, new wrinkles. When I watch the Bucks, it's kind of like the same stuff, you know, and it – I don't know. It's just, you know, are you really tricking anybody what you're doing? And I'm not talking about trick plays. It's just predictable. I'm just talking about scheme. Predictable. It's, it's very predictable. Yeah, it's predictable. Exactly. Exactly. A- Anthony backed on a phone. Anthony, out of all the guys you ever played with, from the Jets to the Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams, Bucks, who was the baddest dude? Like, as far as, not necessarily statistically, or like, but just if you had to be in a fight, who had your back? Like, would it be a Ty? I don't know if Ty J Armstrong was around when you were at the Bucks. I mean, would it have been in a Warren Sapp? Who's like the? Who was the baddest dude? Dan Diaco. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I needed a band aid, you were the baddest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Stitch, stitch me up here, plastic boy. Like, who's the? Who, like Anthony? Who's the baddest dude? Like, just straight badass. Brian, yeah, Brian, no, Brian Cox? Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about, listen, okay, so here's a little story. Like, Brian Cox, you know, you remember the neck roll he would wear. Like, yeah. Brian Cox, as he was the hardest. Him and, and Shade Tree Jones, Marvin Jones. I remember a Florida State linebacker a long time ago. These two dudes were the inside linebackers for the Jets. And, like, when I was playing tight end, I'd have to go and play, like, motion back, play full, uh, fullback, and then ISO these guys. You want to talk about a, a stinger, burner, like jacking your neck up every time you hit those guys. Like Marvin Jones was a straight, like just he just it felt like you're hitting a stone. But Brian Cox, he was a dude that like literally he never lifted a weight, like he didn't care about the weight room, but he hit you so freaking hard. Those two guys, man, I'm telling you, I would dread when the coach would call 
those kind of plays to go up the middle because they were literally the hardest hitters. I'm talking about hitting stone. That's how hard these dudes hit you. Old school guys, man, that just, man, they just thumped you every single time. How about Reggie? Did you ever go against Reggie? No, I, well, I wasn't that old. So you, Reggie was a little bit out of the league. But, but I, I'll tell you, you know, like, uh, man, I, Strahan was tough. You know, he was probably the toughest guy I had to block. You know, uh, Jason Taylor, who wasn't a strong guy, but just a long arms, very technically sound, hard to get your hands on. By the best guy I ever had to block, and you probably, I mean, Willie McGinnis, he's on the NFL Network now, most underrated outside linebacker, played for the, for the Patriots for all those Super Bowl seasons. He's got the most sacks in Super Bowl games. They played in so many. He was legit one of the better un- underrated players that I played in my career. You know, it's a funny story about him. He used to kick my butt when he was with the, the Patriots. And I used to tell him, you know, one game I finally tried to get at him coming out, and I never could beat him. He finally got, like, that dumpster uh, contract with, like, the Cleveland Browns, like, three years after the Patriots. And we played him when I was at the Bucks, And I finally blocked him. Like, I finally got him. He's like, listen, man, I'm done. Man. I'm just – I'm collecting my check, man. You can do whatever you want to start laughing He said, hey, Beck, you got a good little pinch block on me, man. But I ain't even trying right now, brother. <laughs> Exactly. That, that was kind of how it worked out. But I had, a, I, I, I had Ty, I, Ty J. Armstrong is a good friend of mine, and Ty J. told yep. me a story one time that he was playing for the Bucks and he was playing against Reggie White for the Packers. And uh, Reg, and obviously uh, Ty J. Was a, was a tight end as well. And he said, you know, occasionally, and, I, and I, you probably would be able to attest to this, you know, a guy will take a playoff or something. You know, it's hot. You know, maybe the ball's going opposite direction. So he said Reggie took a few plays off, and Ty J got a couple good blocks in on him, right? And so Ty J said the biggest mistake he ever made is he started really, you know, telling Reggie, man, you ain't nothing, Reggie. I got you all gay. You know, like just talking smack, right? He said Reggie, yeah. Reggie then said, God bless you, son, and then went and absolutely destroyed him the rest of the game. <laughs> was doing Bible verses and telling him I'm so sorry. And Ty's like, man, I Re- Re- Reggie was the best. I mean, I grew up in Philly watching him as an Eagles. And, uh, I mean, man, some of the, the arm throws, I mean, some of the biggest men he used to throw was unbelievable. That was man. another guy that never lifted weights was Reggie White. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard he was just, you know, like, you know, Farmer strong or something, just just not. Now, now, Anthony, a lot of my friends, well, Seth and some, they've all made fun of me when I when I tell everybody that I have these, but I have Reggie White's last pair of Pro Bowl pants that he wore. In the in the in the in the 2000 Pro Bowl, he it was his last Pro Bowl, and my buddy Darren Kearns was the equipment manager for the Bucks. And Tony yeah. Tony Dungy was the all-star coach, and the coach brings his support crew to Honolulu. And all the players, I don't know if they do it nowadays, but after the game they threw their you know pants all into a pile. And you had to get washed. And my, and, well, yeah, my buddy, you know, my buddy who was the equipment manager, Darren Kearns, just took them, and they're embroidered. They got his name on them and everything. And then Dion saw him at a at a golf tournament or something, and got him signed. And it's Reggie White, Corinthians, no way. Corinthians 113. <laughs> but don't you think that maybe his family would want that? Like, not, I wouldn't, I don't want any money for I wouldn't want any money for him. You like, want Anthony back to deliver the pants to Reggie no, White's family? But Anthony, is that, Anthony, is that stupid to think that their family might want his last pair of Pro Bowl pants? Is that dumb? Uh, well, 
I don't know. I mean, listen, man. You know, these these guys don't. I mean, nobody. I don't know anybody has collected pants. So I don't think a family. Does, I don't think a family would want them. I mean, all right. Even Anthony Pinson, nobody wants those pants. I mean, as long as you're not putting the pants and you're not like sticking them near your face, I don't know. I mean, well, I don't know. Hopefully they're matted in a nice frame. Yeah, they are. Up. They are. God yeah, dang it. You know, I was doing go. so good with Anthony until I brought in the Reggie White Pro Bowl pants. Now he thinks I'm a weirdo. <laughs> hey, it's a collector's item, man. No doubt. Uh, Anthony, good luck. Your game was what, tomorrow? Is it the game tomorrow or today? Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, 3.40 p.m. kickoff. Uh, you know, be Westwood One Radio, all the national cities, and then uh, Sirius NFL Radio will carry it as well. Hey, congrats on that. That's a great gig, man. Congrats. Oh, let I me appreciate it, man, yeah. What's that, Lummi? What do you got? Oh, can I ask uh, Mr. Beck a question? Yes, go ahead, I'm Lummy. a degenerate gambler, and I was trying to get your insight on the game. The If you think the Steelers are going to cover the minus five and the over and under 45 with Lummy, the snow. I don't know if Anthony Beck can, as a broadcaster, <laughs> answer that question when you set it up that I'm a degenerate gambler. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm just a normal uh, I don't fan. Know if, I don't know if Westwood... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Westwood won... <laughs> I don't know if Westwood want, wants Anthony Beck to, you know, making guys lose their mortgages or something like that. <laughs> Just, I, is it only minus one? I thought it was double no, digits. No, it's, uh, it's minus COVID. five right now. Minus five. What's, what's really? The pit. Pitt's minus five in the over and under 45. You said it's snowing a lot, so you think it's going to be a low well, scoring game? Well, it's snowing. The under could be a, an issue. I don't know offensively, you know, with no Lamar Jackson, I, you know, they got a bunch of guys down. Uh, you know, uh, Andrews is not playing. Uh, Mark Andrews. I mean, that, these are the go-to targets. I mean, RG three hasn't thrown a ball in a while, man. I, I gotta, I gotta think it's going to be very conservative. I'd say the under would probably be your best bet, but you know, I, that you know, with the weather too, I, you never know. I, you know, crazier things that happen, but just if I'm looking at this game, I can't imagine a ton of points. Now, the, the Steelers may put up some points. They, they got weapons all over, but you talked about receiving cores. They, they probably got something that matches the. The, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs as well. So, you know, Big Ben's having a nice season. And, you know, they're undefeated, guys. I mean, you know, they're playing good ball. How cool was it? To, I mean, when you when you played, was Lambeau Field cool or was it just old and decrepit? Or both? Lambeau was a bet. No, that, that was one of the best places to play. The, the field itself is pristine. I mean, if you play there before November 1st, it's beautiful. We used to play a couple preseason games there when I was with the uh, Buccaneers. And, uh, you know, look, they got the best fans. I mean, like, they sell out the stadium in preseason. Like, they love their team. It's it's a great environment to play. And they, they've made some uh, some upgrades to it. But, man, what, one of the prettiest experiences fields to play on in the, in the National Football League. Yeah, I've been, to, I've been three games and two post-remodel, and the remodel is just unbelievable. People don't realize that Lambeau Field fits 86,000 people with Jeez. this new remodel. Yeah. Re- and they roof. come. They, they, it's right in somebody's backyard. It's a neighborhood, and then all of a sudden there's a stadium. It's great. Yep. Like it's, yeah, it is. Hey, Anthony, let's make them more often, man. Uh, get you on from Anytime, time to time brother. to promote, you know, promote what you got going on and what game you're doing for the week. And, and you know, I love having you on, buddy. Yeah, hey, your fans can follow me on Twitter, Anthony underscore Beck. I'm all over that. That's where my podcast links are. And all that stuff. I got a Bucks pod, uh, podcast, and I also have a Jets one. If we got some New York fans there, and I have Spit and Fire podcast with my buddy Dan Gross out of New York. We talk about sports. We talk about gambling. We talk about fantasy. He also has a, uh, a home fixer upper podcast and a lawn maintenance <laughs> podcast as well. <laughs> Anthony Beck yeah. and a college recruiting podcast and everything. <laughs> That's the podcast. <laughs> hey, Anthony, thank you, my friend, and I look forward to talking to you again, buddy. Happy holidays, guys. Appreciate it. Doc, take care, man. Uh, thank you very much, thank, Anthony. Appreciate thank, it. Bye, Anthony. You got it. Love that guy. I've had him on lots of times before. 
Yeah, he's a good guy. He's very smart, good looking, good looking wife. Very he insightful. Stayed healthy in, in the NFL. Played what, 156 games in a row consecutively. I think so. I yeah. mean, that's a third 11, place all 11, time. Or 11 or 12 years. It's hey, amazing. Hey, Doc, you got a band aid? Yeah. Who <laughs> <laughs> <I> told you? <laughs> When you talked about how tough you were, he said, he called you a Band-Aid boy. <laughs> and you know what? He wanted to call you an F-boy, but he could only call you a Band-Aid boy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>